Are you ready to experience the rich interconnection of spirituality, orientation, and identity? If so, plan to attend Liberating Your Divine Identity, a retreat at Unity Village during Pride Month, June 9th to the 12th. This soul-filled retreat is facilitated by LGBTQIA plus Unity Ministers with workshops and ceremonies to cultivate a deeper awareness of our spiritual nature. Register at unityvillage.org forward slash I am divine 2022. Experience the difference. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Welcome to World Spirituality, exploring the unity within all cultures and faith traditions with your host, Reverend Paul John Roach. So, hello and welcome to World Spirituality on the Unity Online Radio Network. Yes, I'm your host, Paul John Roach, coming to you from Fort Worth in Texas. And today I welcome a Unity Minister, author, and spiritual coach. Victoria Loveland Cohen to the show. And her latest book is entitled Breakthrough, A Complete Guide for Getting Unstuck and Realizing Your Dreams. And I think we can all use something like that right about now because it's so easy to get stuck. Even though we're in unity uh, often or in a, a new age or new thought way of thinking, um, it's not always easy to break through and break free of the conditioning. And, and we'll talk a lot about that in this show because uh, uh, Victoria has many good ideas about how to do just that. Spiritual path's hard. So it's it's wonderful to welcome Victoria to today's show. Glad you're with us. Oh, thank you. I'm delighted to be here. Thank you for having me. But you know, you're right, aren't you? you when you say the spiritual uh, path is hard you know you start the book by talking about uh, someone coming to you and saying you know this i love the teachings but when i look at the congregation that we're involved with and th that you're serving you know there seem to be a lot of people who are a little stuck and and not really reaping the benefits of what we're teaching and i, I thought the same thing myself you know i was a minister for 30 years before i retired and i could have gone on another 60 years no problem you know the, I, I was no, no danger of uh, running out of uh, things to do because, uh, you know, people, and they weren't all enlightened, even they knew after my best teaching for 30 years. So what's that about? What's that about, do you think? Because I don't think it's unique to unity. I think it's true of why we have religion continuing for thousands of years, right? What, what is it? Why is it so difficult to, to break through and break free? Yeah, and I, you're you're right, and and I, you know, when when we embark on a spiritual path, um, any spiritual path, really, you know, but particularly new thought, we've got these wonderful tools, which are absolutely gifts uh, to humanity. I think these fabulous tools for creating a more joyous and fulfilling life: affirmative prayer, affirmations, visualization, meditation. And I think when we first get introduced to this and we first start experimenting with this, what I've noticed in myself and others is that we have a lot of success in the beginning. It's like, whoa, look, this works. And we get all right. excited. You know? And, um, you know, it's like kind of when we go to a, 
a weekend workshop and and at the end of that it's like we're so inspired we have the aha moment and you know my life is going to be changed forever and then after a while though what happens is that there are these places in us these unaddressed unhealed uh opposing patterns the underlying opposing opposing patterns underlying kind of toxic energies that if we don't address them if we don't look at it if we don't heal them they can just sabotage our efforts and there's just not a lot of focus on um fo- on on looking at these and healing them you know we don't often don't want to look <laughs> and uh and and then we don't know what they are even if we try so i kind of liken it to uh driving the most exquisite performance car that you can imagine driving it with the brakes on and not even knowing what the problem is you know you're like oh this is supposed to be the best car ever created but it's not even moving forward and and you know in some of the new cars you you can't even find where the parking brake is they're putting it in all these different places yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's like we've got these wonderful tools for creating this love-filled joyous fulfilling life it's like that best performance car but after a while it stops working it becomes that car with a brake on because we need to acknowledge and release those old patterns and those toxic energies that that block the flow the natural flow of good in our lives and then once we do that it works really well those tools that new thought gives us work really well once we sort of cleared out the channels right but again you know we don't always know we don't always want to look at it we don't always know where that break is in us so that's what i'm sort of um focusing on in this book is i've identified five areas really that if we pay attention to them and acknowledge them and work with them we can kind of heal and transmute that energy that can act as breaks you know and then suddenly we can move forward in our growth uh and powerfully so sometimes even our own teaching sort of hampers us doesn't it because you know we're always told to be positive right to affirm everything and like you said not look at the dark side or the the shadow or whatever because well i don't want to be negative right so we put this gloss of, of positivity on everything and yeah it's great to be positive i remember exactly what you're saying when i first came into unity you know 40 some years ago now or longer you know, and and discovered the idea that God was energy, not just as the man on a cloud, and and <laughs> just overwhelmed by that idea. You know that it permeated the universe, and the, that the, these forces and these power, this power was available to me. What a wonderful, you know, breakthrough that was. But but yeah, right. but then there's all the work to be done. You know, like you said, and in the other the unresolved parts of ourselves, that um, the messy bits. You know, that we don't want to look at <laughs> because that doesn't fit into my new lifestyle of being super positive. I think we've got better, haven't we, in unity over the last several years to to look at some of these elements, right? Um, I know it's been called spiritual bypassing, right? Or metaphysical malpractice when we, we just jump to the solution with, without going 
through the process, right? That there, there has to be this willingness to look, right? This, um, this listening mm -hmm. uh, to the pain, as you put it. And, I, you know, Eckhart Tolle talks about this, right? We were carrying a pain body around with us. And we have to look at that and see it for what it is. Other, otherwise, you know, you really can't, you can't make that, uh, that change. And I, mean, I think the Buddha said it well, you know, you, you can't be free of suffering or the dissatisfaction of life unless you are willing to acknowledge that suffering. Yes. Yes, that's right. Absolutely. You, you, I think you've, you've hit it right on the head there because, uh, and that's the thing we, you know, the spiritual bypass is this idea that we want to go directly to the transformation. And I know all about that because when I, my first introduction to spirituality, I was really young uh, and I wasn't really looking for it, uh, but it kind of found me. And I was, um, I found myself in, in a yoga class, which was really, when I was young, it was kind of new. Yoga was not like something that is taught at every YMCA. You know, it was, it was really new and really different. And I was really excited about that. You know, I was 15 years old. It's like, I want, oh, I want the yoga thing with the incense and the, you know, the Indian prints and all of that was very cool. So I went into this yoga class and I started doing this, these exercises with these people. And at the end of the class, and there was about, oh, I don't know, 35, 40 people. It was a big hall. Um, at the end of that, the, the yoga instructor led us in a chanting of Om. So here are these 40 people chanting Om you know, over and over, and suddenly I left my body. My consciousness just zoomed out of my head and went directly to the top of the room, and I just became one with all the other beings that were there. There was no bodies. There was no separation. It was just all this one energy of love. And so it was this, you know, my top chakra, you know, it was just blown open, and I had this transcendent experience. So that was the thing that just uh, propelled me onto a spiritual path, you know. But I kept wanting to get back there, you know. I wanted to recreate that experience. And so I did everything I could do to get back to that experience of that cosmic consciousness, that transcendent experience. Meanwhile... I was ignoring all of the other steps, you know, all of the other chakras or all the other places in me that really needed healing and needed. I mean, I was insecure. I hated myself and I didn't, yeah, I was wounded and you know, I did my best to hide it, but uh, I was definitely wounded and I didn't know how to have relationships. You know, it was, it was just uh, that, that absolute spiritual bypass, wanting to go to the transcendent while ignoring all these other things and, and just thinking that's going to be fixed. Well, we have to address, all, I had to address all of those areas in order to be, and believe me, it's been a long journey, <laughs> you know, to, to really get back into alignment with all the centers in our in our being, all the dimensions of our being. We are multidimensional people. And we want to bring all of the dimensions of our being into alignment. And then we can experience wholeness. 
really wholeness. Absolutely, yeah. and and uh, you know, it's it's wonderful to have those transcendent epiphany experiences, isn't it? And uh, you know, you you they they help us actually re, remind us right. that, that you know that level of awareness is possible. But you know, the, there has to be an integration into the into the ordinary, right? So the extraordinary the extraordinary and the ordinary have to become one. Actually, I have an article coming out, mm -hmm. folks, if you're mm -hmm. interested on this theme in, in Unity Magazine in the March-April uh, edition mm -hmm. of it. It's about the gradual path and the immediate path and which one is right. Mm -hmm. Well, they're, bo they're both right. Um, you can't have one without the other, but uh, we explore some of those those themes in, in that. So just take a look if you mm -hmm. if you are a subscriber to, to Unity Magazine. Um, yes. Yeah. I, I do, and uh, that's great. I look forward to it. And, you know, Unity Magazine is where I'm seeing a lot of cutting-edge spirituality, um, where, you know, the, 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 this movement that, in my opinion, has gotten stuck uh, for a while. It's like, where is the new thinking and new thought uh, for the past, I don't know how many years, but, you know, feels like we've been kind of stuck in the same place. But, but now there people like you, who are writing articles and and it's appearing in Unity magazine. It's kind of like, let's bring this, let's let it evolve, let's let this movement grow and look at some other areas that we can be um, healing and addressing to really bring this into this new century. And uh, so, well, I'll look forward to reading that. So, um, yeah, thank you. So, so. Um... In in your book, you know, you do a nice uh, chapter on the history of uh, unitive thinking, right? Which I I found was quite valuable, especially for those who aren't familiar with um, with, with our background and our tradition. And uh, you call it. Um, let me get to it here. Uh, evolving our foundation, right? Ancient seeds. Yeah. Um, and all the way back to the mystics uh, of the, the Vedas of ancient India, up through the Buddhist Buddhist teaching, um, and to the transcendentalists, uh, and the you know the the pioneers of new thought. And uh, so it's a good overview for people who are not familiar with how uh, you know new thought developed. And I like I like I think it's. Uh, Michael Beckwith said, you know, new, it's new thought, ancient wisdom, right? Combining those two together. Uh, it's not a new thing. It's it's a part of the golden thread, as I like to call it, that's um, throughout history. Uh, yes, right. Well, yeah, thank you uh, for seeing it that way. That was my intention uh, to give a history because a lot of people don't really know how deep these ideas, you know, the roots, how deep they go. And they just think, well, it was the Fillmore's that developed it, or it was Ernest Holmes that developed it. Well, there was, you know, that came from somewhere. And it comes from really far back, as you said, uh, the ancient Vedas, I think, were the original, uh, the original idea of oneness consciousness, you know, of non-duality. Um, and, uh, of course, that, you know, got buried for for many centuries. And then I think, you know, some people in some cultures, some mystics and really wonderful thinkers um, began to revive it. And certainly the transcendentalists in this country really um, 
really embraced it. And in this country, there was an opportunity for them to, you know, to grow this and to explore it and to allow it to to expand and, and grow. And uh, all of the wonderful ideas that came from that, these, these beautiful, powerful awareness that you know we we are we can we can experience that infinite divine self directly we don't have to have an intermediary we can, it's within us it's who we are at our core you know and that we live in this universe of love we live in a universe of love we live in a universe of consciousness and we're individual expressions of that and that idea that our thoughts and beliefs are created are creative and that, you know, we can begin to uh, use those creative ideas to create more joy and fulfillment in our lives. That's a powerful awareness, a powerful awakening from where we are, where we were in kind of the spiral dynamics uh, of that time that, you know, where we were in history, that was a powerful awakening. Um, and it, since then, it's it's continued to grow and evolve. But you know, again, I feel like it's kind of gotten, you know, frozen in, in place for too many years. You know, and 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 just you know, we're, we're the same messages over and over: positive thoughts, turn away from negative thinking. You know, we pay lip service to meditation. Um, and then people get that. You know, a lot of people kind of come and go. And I think, you know, pretty quickly they, they, they get that and then they're searching for a deeper experience. So right. that, that's the thing that we can begin to evolve, to really allow this to deepen and to acknowledge the, the wounds and address the shadow um, and really allow it to grow into something that can really shift consciousness, that can really shift consciousness in the world. So again, I'm seeing that beginning to happen and it's really very exciting. It's really very exciting the idea that it can make such a difference. Absolutely. Um, You mentioned, you know, we mentioned earlier about spiritual bypassing and over over much positivity can be a, you know, a blind spot in new thought. What other what other ones do you perceive? You say you know the, it's a bit like endless beginners classes. We're always teaching the the core principles, but you know not really going into much depth. Mm-hmm. I think that's another another problem. Um, what else do you see? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I think the first thing really is to love and accept ourselves the way we are right now. You know, a lot of people come to a spiritual path naturally because, you know, they're in pain or they're just feeling like, ah, I'm not okay, I feel broken, I feel like I need to be fixed and, you know, I want to learn to change, how do I change myself so I can be okay, right? Or or feel people feel that they need to have more. I need more money, I need more attention, I need more degrees, I need more titles to feel good about themselves. And, of course, the culture we live in reinforces that message that we're not enough, right? <laughs> There's a, a whole personal growth industry that really capitalizes on that. You know, if you, Oh, here's how you can learn these skills of losing weight and getting motivated and getting a better job and, 
being smarter and, you know, being being more motivated, right? And if you just learn those, then you're going to be okay. And there's nothing wrong with being the best possible version of ourselves. I'm like, I'm all for that. <laughs> That's good. But it's the motivation behind it that makes a diff- the difference. You know, we, we can't right. create a better version of ourselves if we don't like and accept ourselves as we are now. We, we, we can't beat ourselves into it. So it's so really it's about, about not self-compassion. About fixing, is it? I just want to throw that in there. It's not about fixing ourselves, but, though. Yeah, it's not about fixing ourselves. It's about discovering that we are lovable, that we're whole, and that the path that we've been walking has been absolutely perfect for us. We haven't made mistakes. We haven't gone in the wrong direction. It's been perfect because it's gotten us to the place that we are now. You know, I think it was Carl Rogers who said, the more I accept myself, the more I can change. <laughs> so, yeah. which sounds counterintuitive, but we really need to, you know, there's been thousands of studies that have proven that when we're more comp- self-compassionate, when we show ourselves self-compassion, we're more productive, we're more motivated, we're less depressed. And so, you know, that is the first thing we, we want to embrace, this idea that we are whole and complete right now. And I, I often use the analogy of Michelangelo, you know, when he was asked, well, how do you create such amazing masterpieces out of a hunk of marble? And he responds, well, I see the figure in the marble, and I work to remove everything that doesn't belong to set him free. So it's really recognizing that that magnificence is already there, and then not really carving out what's covering it up, but maybe looking at it lovingly and saying, thank you for the purpose that you served in my life, now I'm just going to lovingly place it down so that my magnificence can can begin to shine, can really be fully expressed. Right. Yeah, it's a beautiful analogy, isn't it, that uh, is attributed to Michelangelo. I love that idea. Um, mm-hmm. And, yeah, we are masterpieces emerging, right, from all the, 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 the rocky bits or the, the skins and the hides and the personas that uh, you know we've developed around ourselves that really aren't the truth of our being right but as you said we have to lovingly release them and say well they they served their purpose right i needed that hide or that covering um at certain parts of my life but i don't need it now and i'm i'm going to just release it back to the universe and i think that's that's beautiful because it's not a harsh way is it it's an it's an embracing of everything rather than uh a rejection, you know, so that I can be a better person. You're already okay, just as you are, even even with your your personas and whatnot. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. It's about yeah. self honesty, really, isn't it? It's being able to um, look very uh, courageously at ourselves, but with compassion. Hmm. Right. And then we look at those. Uh, those coverings, those things that we've used to kind of navigate our way through this upside-down world, that's where these things develop. 
because, you know, we are these divine beings who've incarnated into this human realm. It's like a foreign land for our soul. And so, and and everything, you know, we were born into this belief system of separation, that we're separate from source, we're separate from each other, we're separate from our good. And so in order to kind of navigate through that upside down world we've developed these coping mechanisms or ways that we put things on ourselves to get through so if we spend the time and really acknowledge and be present to what those things are we can kind of love it love it smooth you know it's kind of like alchemy and where that that base metal becomes gold and so that's one of the first exercises in my book is about how to looking at what's been covering up our masterpiece and loving it and blessing it and and gently placing it down. We should mention to our listeners, too, that, uh, yeah, there are a lot of uh, helpful ways uh, of approaching this exercises. You can do it in each chapter, in fact, several in each chapter. Um, that really put into practice what what we, you've been talking about in that chapter. So um, that's that's very helpful. So it's not it's not just um, you know a workbook uh, in the sense like lots of nice ideas, but it's it's bringing this into practical effect too. So so that's very helpful. Um, we're going to go to the Thank we're going to go break soon, but okay. I want to I want to ask a question. Um, you say that we're multi-dimensional beings. What do you mean by that? <laughs> yeah. Well, um, we have this human self that is our human self with with our emotions and our feelings. And we have this mental self that's part of us. We have a, a higher intellectual self that's part of us. And then the highest self is that infinite divine self that we are. That's by far the largest part of us. But all, and I, you know, we want to live 100% from that place. But again, we are here on this earth for a reason and a lot to learn and a lot to pay attention to uh, before we totally expand into that highest spiritual self. And it's wonderful, though, isn't it? We're given all these, uh, you know, gifts of different dimensional realities, right, that... um... What a blessing that is, you know, that we can be embodied. I, I think it's wonderful that we're, we're in this human form. Sometimes we'll say, oh, well, you know, it's a pain body. It's, it's subject to old age, sickness and death and all that, which is true. But, but the gift is that, uh, you know, because it's transient, because, because it's uh, subject to change, it means that we, we can in, in take God places he couldn't go otherwise, you know, in, in this form. Folks, we're at the break. I'm with uh, Victoria Love and Cohen. We'll be back after these messages. Community, join us then. Sometimes you feel so alone and overwhelmed, you don't know where to turn. These days, it seems like there is no end to our problems. We invite you to connect with Silent Unity, the 24-hour prayer ministry where someone is waiting to pray with you right now. Since 1890, Silent Unity has always been there. No judgment or dogma, just someone affirming the best for you. 
Call 816-969-2000 today. You can also connect online at unityprayervigil.org. We're glad you found us. This is Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. We now return to World Spirituality with Reverend Paul John Roach. So welcome back to today's show. One of my listeners suggested that we talk about next week's show right here before we get into the second segment and uh, other business and then get back to our guests. So uh, let's try that. Um, the, uh, the show next week is going to be uh, with journalists, author and writer for Quest magazine, Claire Goldsbury. And she's going to talk about her book, The Illusion of Life and Death, Mind, Consciousness and Eternal Being. So join, join me for that next week. Um, also, my book, which is coming out um, in December, early January, I'm not sure exactly the launch date yet, um, is uh, Unity in World Religion. So keep an eye out for that. Unity is publishing it. I'm very excited about it. Um, and uh, we'd love you to read it and, and give me your input about what you think about it. But I'm today I'm with Victoria Loveland Cohen and uh, her book is Breakthrough, A Complete Guide for Getting Unstuck and Realizing Your Dreams. And if you like the ideas that uh, Victoria is talking about, I want to pursue more information. And she's got lots of the, uh, the, the uh, lessons and uh, the techniques that she uses at the end of each chapter, um, the, the various exercises. She's got those online. And you can just go to Breakthrough2, just the, the number two, Breakthrough2.com to, to find out more about that and about her. So I uh, just want to give you that information. So let's get back to our, our talk today. Um, I love you, you, you know, talk about the shadows. Many of the people I talk with uh, are open to looking at the shadow and and which is a Jungian idea, but I think it's become widely accepted in alternate alternative spiritualities. This idea that we have a shadow self. Um, Charles and Myrtle Fillmore were aware of it also um, in their writings. But you've also got something called a golden shadow. So, Victoria, tell us what that is. I love that phrase, the golden shadow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, so it's uh, when you know that uh, the, the shadow self is really that place of us that we've kind of disowned, we've repressed, we've literally pushed into the shadows. You know, we don't even recognize that it's part of us, right? And we do that because, you know, we we need to be loved and accepted as a child. That is our foremost uh, desire, to be loved and accepted. And, you know, our parents told us, well, don't, you know, you can't be, you know, whiny and selfish and greedy and self-centered and don't be like that. And so we push those parts of us into the shadows. We don't want to recognize that it's part of us. But it's always in the background, right? It's kind of in the background and it comes up and begins to sabotage us when we get triggered or when we're under stress. And then we might say, whoo, whoa, where'd that come from? You know, I can't, I can't believe I said that. I can't believe I did that. 
so I have exercises again in my book and on my website for meeting and healing the shadow self and reintegrating it because there are gifts that that shadow self can give us once we have um, once we've healed it once we've greeted it with love and embraced it the toxic part of it can be released and it's gifts which are generally about making us a little more balanced and a little more whole um, come into play. Now, the golden shadow is, so, you know, we kind of have the same idea, is that we repress what we can't really accept about ourselves. That's true also for the really wonderful qualities within us the star qualities of us. We can't always accept that about ourselves. And so we project it onto others, just like we do with the shadow self. If we can't accept it, we project it onto others. And so if we admire the same type of people, we admire people that are maybe smart or talented or maybe they're disciplined or relaxed or, you know, something that we wish we were, we can be sure that that actually is part of us. We just haven't acknowledged it, you know, and maybe we have repressed it because we were taught to be humble or unassuming or don't toot your own horn, you know, and so we repressed that and didn't really acknowledge it or accept it within ourselves. Also, um, we may have as uh as a result growing up when our if our if we started expressing some of that fabulousness within us our friends might have become jealous right and then they wouldn't hang with us because they couldn't stand being around us so maybe we just kind of shrunk back and repressed that so it's time to embrace that golden shadow and we can do we can start to do that by identifying the qualities that we admire in others right that we don't think we have but they are part of us and we can own them and so we want to um we can there's some exercises in my book i have about embracing that owning who you truly are knowing it's part of you and then spending time investing energy into developing those qualities because if we've repressed those those innate uh, qualities within us, uh, they may be undeveloped. So we can invest energy into developing those qualities because it's really who we are. They just need to be allowed out and developed. And that's the yeah, essence beautiful. of the goal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember a teacher of mine said uh, that, uh, you know, and you're right, we do project things out onto others that we don't want to look at in ourselves, and that could be positive or negative, like you said. So he said, uh, just add, just like me at the end of a sentence. So if you say, uh, that person's an idiot, you know, uh, don't stop there. Say, just like me, you know, own it for yourself. And it's quite salutary, actually, to say, Whoops, if I see somebody as an idiot, that means there's an idiotic part of me that I need to own. And But it also works positively. She's beautiful, just like me, you know, because then you're lifting up your, yourself and others. So it's always worked well for me just to add that, just like me. It brings it on home, you know, not to 
not to make excuses, just to be honest. You know, the, if I see it, that somebody is an idiot, well, that's because, you know, it, I wouldn't see it in another if it wasn't within me, right? And the same is the beauty <laughs> as well. So it, it's, a, it's a useful tool, I think. Um, I, you, mentioned, uh, you mentioned forgiveness, of course, um, as a big, as, you know, a huge tool for, for us to, to use. And you're, part of your background is Course in Miracles and, uh, you know, forgiveness is, is very big there. Uh, but Charles mm. Myrtle talked about forgiveness as well, right? You know, and I like what they said. It's, it's like giving up the lesser for something greater, right? That's what forgiveness is. You're you're rising mm. beyond the the limits and um, expanse. It's just an expansive, generous-hearted way of looking at life to be to be forgiving. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's again, I I love that tool that you just shared about what we project onto others and and to really see it as that brings us back to that sense of oneness. You know, we're all one. We are all, you know, human beings making it, trying to make our way through this upside down world. And we're all, we all make mistakes, right? And the key that I think of uh, to forgive, because it's not always easy, if somebody has really hurt us or betrayed us, that's not the easiest to do to forgive somebody. And we should never, I think, rush into it. You know, I think forgiveness is a process, a process that begins with a willingness. But it's a process of first owning how you feel, you know, when somebody has really hurt you and um, being with those feelings, um, expressing them in, in, a, in a, um, a helpful way. And I have exercises in my book, of course, uh, for, for how to do that. And then we can open to this idea of this person, you know, again, is this human being, and they may have been acting out of their own shadow, their own unhealed shadow self. And sometimes so do I, right? Or to recognize, you know, this idea that we're all this divinely human race. We're all one with each other. And um, and the key is to know that people do the very best they can with the consciousness they have at the time. Everyone's always doing the best they can with the consciousness they have at the time, just like us. And this is part of the self-forgiveness, which is just as important as forgiving others. Self-forgiveness uh, is to recognize I have always done the best I could with the consciousness I had at the time. And that is the thing that releases all that harsh self-criticism that that can prevent that natural flow of good in our lives. It keeps our good at bay. That's the the key that can release it. We don't and, have and to I, agree. Go ahead. No, you go ahead. Mm-hmm. I was going to say we don't have to um, exonerate the behavior, right, in order to forgive the person, right? I think some people mix mix the two up together. You know, I, I have to forgive everything, which means I, I, I you know, I got to see that bad behavior is okay. No, you don't. It can still be bad behavior, right? But as you said, it's the best that somebody could do at the time. But that doesn't mean the behavior was good. You know, it can still be bad. And, um, and, but I can still love the person because they are not just their behavior. 
But I think some people get tripped up by that. You know, yeah, it was still, you know, egregious behavior, perhaps. Um, uh, but but even so, you know, I, I, I'm forgiving because I want to move on. I don't want to be stuck in the, the hatred or the resentment that I might feel towards towards that person. But uh, we certainly don't have to yeah. say that, uh, you know, horror and murder and abuse are good things. You know, uh, they're certainly not. And um, and I think that's an important element here. Absolutely. There, there's a really a lot of misunderstanding around forgiveness. And, and I think un, understanding what forgiveness is not is important. And what you just mentioned, we're not condoning hurtful bad behavior. You know, we right. separate the from the person. It's also not an invitation to, you know, continue to have a, a friendship or a relationship this, with this person because really forgiveness should mostly be done at a distance. You know, it's really about yourself. It's really about releasing yourself from that from that pain and and knowing, yeah, it's not it's not the behavior. We're not condoning that. But I can see that this is a human being who has gotten tripped up and trapped in uh, either an unhealed wound or an unhealed shadow self or whatever. And I can forgive that but not accept it, not, not – I don't have to be friends with this person, you know. Um, it also – people sometimes – people think that they need to apologize directly to that person doesn't doesn't mean you need to apologize to that person you know again it's just for you um, and it does not require that person to ask for forgiveness for you to forgive them right so it's there's a lot of um, a lot of misunderstanding around this this issue of forgiveness and that's why I think it's it's um, it's difficult for some people or people there's a lot of resistance to it right absolutely and it also links in with your next chapter around the the collect, collective unconscious right because uh, we buy into this um that say for instance a rumor about somebody or or a misrepresentation about somebody it's it can go like wildfire and then you've got a huge group of people um buying into something they never personally experienced but they 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 believe it to be true, and and we think I think we're seeing this writ large in our society, right? Because we're in a very mm-hmm. divided nation right now, you know, uh, of um, people choosing off on different sides on on many issues, um, politically, uh, in terms of uh, sexual rights, the racial divide, etc. There's a lot of division, um, and unfortunately, you know, the collective unconscious. It's a wonderful thing, isn't it? Because everything's connected. It's it's a Jungian idea of our connectedness, but it also means we can be connected to you know camps or tribes and feel they're the only way, the only right way. And that that's tough, I think, because it only reinforce the collective unconscious. You know, as as Myrtle and Charles called it, it becomes the mortal mind or the race mind. You know, there can be a negative effect because you you buy into what what people tell you or what your parents told you or the way your tribe act, acts rather than what's real um so how do we get beyond that do you think that that's a huge one i don't think we're no nobody's really solved that one but uh have a stab at it <laughs> <laughs> 
you, you are so right. We are we're really seeing the manifestation of that. And, you know, uh, so much of what we're seeing now, I think, are things that are coming to the surface to be healed. Uh, as Charles Fillmore, uh, wonderful idea that he termed chemicalization. You know, whenever this is a new transformative idea enters the consciousness, there's an old pattern that resists that. And what it is, is that it's all, when light is coming into our consciousness, into our being, there's that old stuff that resists that, that does not, that does not want to be, um, be addressed, but it's coming up because there's light there. And so it's amplified and we're seeing it all over the place. So really we can look at it as an opportunity to heal, to heal not just ourselves, but the collective. And we can do that. We can contribute to the healing of the collective unconscious. The more that we engage in meditation and prayer and having these kinds of conversations and opening to the ideas, more expansive ideas, the more we are adding to that. You know, it's an energy that adds to the collective unconscious that helps to heal those old ideas, those old fears and and beliefs and limitations and judgment and powerlessness or domination. You know, that all of that has been the content of this collective consciousness from, you know, the beginning of time. All of that is in there. Um, so the first thing we need to do is protect ourselves, though, you know, from the influence of the collective unconscious. And, um, you know, I think... Uh, one of the things is definitely let's not listen to the news 24-7. <laughs> maybe, maybe that might be a wise choice uh, because all of that, you know, consciousness is expressed through our current politics and our current news cycle. Uh, and, um, you know, have these kinds of positive conversations. And then there, we can do energetically because it is an energy. So we want to... Imagine ourselves surrounded, and I have an exercise in my book of, called The Net of Light, where we imagine that we are surrounded by this giant net of light, kind of angelic light you can think of it as, and that you, you're enfolded in this. And so all these negative thoughts or fearful thinking that are kind of in the atmosphere can be caught by this net of light. You know, they just kind of burn up before they reach your consciousness, kind of like a, you know, a, um, an asteroid that kind of gets burned up in the atmosphere. We can think of it that way. Um, and then we can affirm that I am open to only positive energy or my energy is closed to all but the divine ideas. And really know that our word makes it so. Our word is powerful. We're powerful, creative beings. And if we activate this energy of light around us and affirm it, it can be so. And, and then add to the healing of the collective unconscious. You know, contribute to the healing. As we shift our own energy, we're embracing positive thinking. We share that with others. You know, we're... We're generous beings, 
you know, as we share our love, our prayers, our generosity, we're helping to uplift. It's that lower vibration, that collective unconscious is that lower vibration. So the more that we participate in in prayerful activities, we're healing it, and we all become lighter. Right. It's a process. It's going to happen overnight, but it's it's a process that we can start today. Interesting thing about the net of light, right? The, you, they have the similar images in Hinduism and, and Buddhism. Uh, and same with the wheel, you know, the wheel of time and change, the wheel of karma or, or becoming is actually the same as the wheel of being or dharma, right? It, it's the same wheel. It's just it, we see it in a different light. When, when we, as you say, at the lower vibratory rate, we, we see it as a, a difficulty. Um, but when we're at the higher level, we see it as an opportunity. So, um, you know, nirvana and samsara, the, the perfection and the, the, the problematic nature of the world are the same, basically. It, but we, we see them as separate when, when, we're, when we're separate. But when we understand our oneness, they become one, too. So the, the net of light actually uh, ha- keeps us in prison. Mm-hmm and frees us at the same time, right? Depending on where we are, depending on how willing we are to open to, to these new ideas. As you mentioned, by the way, to play, right? To play in the energy of the answer. And, and I think it's so important to play. Uh, we don't want to be heavy on this, right? The, the, the lighter, if you look at the great gurus and teachers, they all have a playfulness and a light, light about them. You know, they're lighthearted. I think of the Dalai Lama, for example, um, I, I think of the, the giggling gurus, you know, the ones that uh, are filled with the joy of existence. There's, uh, there's something that's exuberant about them because they understand that to be, take oneself lightly is so important. Yeah, yeah, I love that. Absolutely. Play, playing, and, and I talk about this idea of playing in the energy of the answer. So rather than this idea of working real hard, you know, and I've got to do my affirmative prayer and make it happen and, you know, try to manipulate or whatever. No, I'm just going to let that go. I'm just going to to play in the energy of the answer because it is there, you know. It's just it's just this soil that is at the base of our soul. You know, and um, the the seeds of our magnificence, of our wholeness, can be planted in that soil, that fertile soil. And it is the nature of that seed. It's coded for magnificence, genetically coded. And if we just nurture that soil, we pull the weeds, right? Well, we've been talking about all of the different things that can choke off the growth of our good. If we pull those weeds, and allow that seed to germinate and to uh, and to grow and become what it's coded to be. That's a joyous process. It's allowing it. It's creating the space where it is welcome. It's not trying to make something happen. So that's yeah, the idea of playing in the energy of the answer. And then your final chapter is on purpose, right? Is it is it crucially important, you think, to know your purpose on, on this planet and to be successful? I think it's a good goal to shoot for <laughs> because <laughs> other, <laughs> you're 
and we could be uh, striving for something that we think is going to make us happy, but uh, ultimately uh, it doesn't. I, you know, and I certainly have experienced that. Maybe you have. Maybe some of your listeners have. You know, we think we've got. Oh, this is the thing. I'm going to go, and we invest a lot of time. We invest a lot of energy, and we go for something, and then we get there, and huh, it's not all it's cracked up to be. You know, what we want to do is find that what we're coded for, what we are inherently coded for. It's like, you know, that Howard Thurman says, don't ask what the world needs, ask what makes you come alive and go do that. What the world needs is more people who have come alive. So our true purpose is something that helps us to come alive. And when we are walking in that direction, when we are moving in that direction of that of our true self coming alive, that's a blessing to others. That's a healing, not just for ourselves, but we radiate that that sense out to others. You know, we we can transform this experience when we're living authentically in our true purpose. Seems to me it doesn't matter what it is either, right? It's not like we all have to become film stars or, or write the latest great and greatest book. Um, it's, it's about doing whatever we do well, you know, from, from being a good parent or we, like you said, weeding the garden, literally weeding the garden, you know, that, that can, if that's our purpose, then that, that's, that's the, that's it right there. It doesn't have to be. Um, something you know extraordinary in the world's terms, right? I think Martin Luther King says, "If you're a street sweeper, be the best street sweeper you can be." Right? It's that's what it's about. It's um, it's being honest to whatever you're doing at any any given time, and that you're close as close to God by doing that as you can be by doing anything on this planet. So um, be of good cheer. Whatever it is yours to do is valid, right? Yeah, thank God we don't all want to do the same thing. <laughs> that would yeah. that would be an out of balance planet. Uh, thank God we all have unique uh, what what makes us what fills us with joy. It's all unique to all of us, and uh, because we're all diverse people, and as we get in touch with that and allow that to grow and and help that to come to fruition, then it's this beautiful. Uh, weaving of all these different threads that make this beautiful tapestry of life. And you're right, it's all different for every person. But at the end of the show, thank you, Victoria, for being with us. Thank you for listening, folks. If you're listening live, happy Thanksgiving. If not, have an attitude of gratitude. It makes a world of difference. Take care now. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Are you ready to experience the rich interconnection of spirituality, orientation, and identity? If so, plan to attend Liberating Your Divine Identity, a retreat at Unity Village during Pride Month, June 9th to the 12th. This soul-filled retreat is facilitated by LGBTQIA Unity ministers with workshops and ceremonies to cultivate a deeper awareness of our spiritual nature. Register at unityvillage.org forward slash IMDivine2022. 